Tonight we're going to look at Exodus uh, 26 and 27. We're going to go through it kind of quickly. Uh, is it is the tabernacle of God, tabernacle of God, uh, basically God describing it, uh, and this is the way He would have us worship, and He is very specific about it. I mean, I was going through it in some of the detail, and I, I kind of get surprised at the detail. I mean, when he says there needs to be 50 loops for the curtains to hang on, each panel of the curtain, um, why? Uh, and the reason would be, this is the dwelling place of the Lord. Uh, I will be among you. This is where I will be, and it will be as I mandate it. Uh, and then we are in a day and an age uh, like never has ever been seen um, in the history of the church. So we're looking at over 2,000 years now. And uh, we are now at a time where man uh, worships his own way. I, I was at uh, Caesarea Philippi in Israel. It's been several years ago. And um, it's a fascinating place. It was, uh, it's in Israel um, and but it was a Gentile stronghold for pagan religion. There's actually a, a huge cave there that uh, is is open to an aquifer. Uh, when I was there, there was water running out of it, and all the paths that led up to it were flooded. Uh, and I mean, it it was flooded. I mean, it wasn't like you wanted to just well, it ain't. It's just running water. Uh, you'd have stepped in it, and you'd have been. Look, running water. Um, and, and when you got up there, this hole is literally called the gates of hell. Uh, and they believed that this hole, they didn't know how deep it was, but led to um, Hades. And uh, all around the hole were these, uh, carved in the rock, were these... Um, I don't know how to describe them, um, inlays that were cut out, carved out into the rock where you could put your idol into it. Uh, and they literally, um, when I was there, they didn't have any idols in it. But during the history of Israel, this was commonly stuck with whatever little deity thing that you wanted to stick in this little hole and you could put it there, and it was at the abode of the dead. Everybody died, and so you wanted to make sure that you gave some kind of honor to your God. What's fascinating about this location, this is the place where Jesus asked Peter, who do the people say that I am? And some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are this or that or the other. And he says, who do you say that I am? And um, Peter said that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And his response was that flesh and blood did not give this to you. You didn't get this answer on your own understanding. God gave you that answer. God was declaring Christ as God incarnate at the place of pagan worship in Israel. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of fascinating that that's what happens. I, I share that with you because men at this place 
worshipped as they believed they would worship. Uh, Isaiah gives a big dissertation on it that man will take a block of wood and he'll take half of it and cook dinner. He'll take the other half and make an idol and say, save me. And I mean, it's sort of Isaiah saying, how stupid is man? And yet man does it today. I mean, we basically today worship God how? Think about it. You know, I I want, do you have a youth program? Do you have a children's ministry? Do you have a divorce recovery something or other ministry? Uh, You have all of these, you know, I I need these, 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 all the way down the line. I'm going to bring you back to a text that I concluded with last week. I'm just going to bring it back to your attention. comes out of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. They serve as a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. See, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on a mountain. But now he, it would be Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry by much as he also is the mediator of a better covenant which was enacted on better promises. Um, that's an interesting text, and, and I don't, I don't want to get into a lot of that because I do want to get back into Exodus. But when you go through what we're looking at, think about this for a second. Three chapters on creation. Okay, let's, let's be realistic. If you look around, creation is just a tad bit complicated. Okay, um, I, I just got some emails on uh, Venus, and there's this cloud thing that's on the south pole of Venus, and it moves up, and then it comes back, and it moves up, and it comes back, and it moves up, and it comes back, and they don't know why. It doesn't go all the way around it. It goes up to about the equator, and it comes back. And there's European scientists are looking at it, trying to figure out why it does it. It's just, it's a, it's a huge of the pictures that I saw. It's a, I mean, well, it covers the bottom half of the planet, but it just kind of comes up and then it comes back down, comes back up. And they're trying to figure out why does it do that? Um, I don't know why it does it. Um, but I know that the desert bloom or the rose blooms in the desert for God's good pleasure. So maybe he likes playing with clouds on Venus. Okay. You look at creation, there is much detail. Lots of detail in creation. Uh, There is so much detail in creation, man is still uh, in the process of trying to figure it out. And yet, how much detail does God give us in worshiping him? And this is a place, and what's fascinating about the tabernacle of God is that it's temporary. Most people, Bible experts, if you ask them, why was it temporary? They're going to tell you this, because God understood that they were not going to go immediately into the promised land. He understood that and that they wanted, they were going to need a place to worship him until 
Jerusalem was captured and they could build a temple. Do you know how many years there was between the Exodus and the capture of Jerusalem? Then how many years after Jerusalem did Solomon build his temple? I got news for it. I know why he built a tabernacle. It's temporary. It's temporary. Even the temple, whether it's Herod's temple, whether it's Solomon's temple, it's still temporary. There will be a new temple built sometime soon before the millennial kingdom starts. But you know what's amazing about it? It's temporary. There will be a new Jerusalem, be 1,500 miles cubed, and I'm not sure how it actually works. My conclusions, the best I can see, it sort of floats. <laughs> you know, how does that work? That's however God wants it to work. I don't have any problem with it floating. Uh, I went up to an area where the tribe of Dan had moved to. And by it moving into this area, they had made their own tabernacle. They had an altar and all the rest of it. And it was, they didn't even want to come down to Jerusalem to worship. It was in the northern country. And I'll be honest with you, it's a beautiful area. I would have preferred it over the area that Dan had down to where Gaza is. Uh, it had all kinds of water and streams and willows. And it's just really lush area. Uh, it does have one problem. It's up near the uh, border where all of the invasions come from. Um, but there was a lot of trenches and bunkers and stuff that were built in the 67 war. Uh, so I'm thinking they could defend themselves. But it was also part of the reason that God disowned the tribe of Dan and they were cut off from the covenant. Um, God made this huge tent so that the people could come and worship And yet it could be taken down and transported daily. Let's jump into it. Chapter uh, 26, verse 1. Moreover, he says, verse 1. You shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains. Okay, this will be the inside of the tabernacle. Um, ten curtains of fine twisted linen, blue, purple, scarlet. And you shall make them with cherub. So you'll have a, uh, an outline of a cherub on each of them. And the work is, will be of a skillful workman. Ten curtains. Okay, what's amazing about the ten curtains is the beauty of the ten curtains will only be for the people who are inside of the tabernacle. On the outside, it's going to be covered by eleven curtains. And the eleven curtains will be of ram and goat skin so that no one can see in. So the beauty of these um, ten curtains on the inside 
will only be for those who are on the inside. Here's what it says. The length of each curtain will be 28 cubits, and the width of each curtain will be 4 cubits, and in the curtain shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be joined to one another, and the other five curtains shall be joined to another. You shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtains of the first set, and likewise you will make them on the edge of the curtain of the outermost second set. You shall make 50 loops in each one of the curtains, and you shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtains, and the second set of loops shall be opposite each other. You shall make 50 clasps of gold. This is the inner curtains. So it will be made of gold. The clasp will be made of gold. And you will join the curtains to one another with the clasp. And the tabernacle shall be a unit. So you have a unit of these curtains that will be surrounding it. And you know what's amazing about this is that the beauty cannot really be understood unless you're inside. So on the outside, it's going to look like what? A goat's tent, goat and ram. Now listen, the rams will be dyed in red, and that's fine, and that will be pretty, but from the inside, you will not see it. You will not see the gold clasp. There's a lot of things you're not going to see. Why? Because God wants His presence to be the emphasis. To be the emphasis. Then in um, verse 7, you shall make the curtains of goat's hair for the tent of the tabernacle and shall make 11 curtains at all. So now you've got 11 on the outside that will cover it. Okay. You will see that they are 30 cubits on the outside, whereas the inside ones were 28 cubits, two cubits smaller. Okay. Remember a cubit. It's the length of a man's forearm or 18 inches. Okay, so when you start figuring it up and you really want to get into some serious math, you can get into it. Length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the width of each curtain shall be 4 cubits, and 11 curtains shall have the same measurement. They shall, you, you shall join the five curtains by themselves, and on the other six curtains by themselves, they shall double over the sixth curtain in front of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on each edge of the curtain and the outermost of the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain of the outermost of the second set. You shall make 50 clasps of bronze. This is the outside line. This will cover. This will hide people from seeing the beauty of what was placed on the inside. Make 50 clasps of bronze. You shall put them in clasps into the loops and you will join the tent together and it will be a unit. The overlapping part will be left over the curtains and the half of the curtain that is left over will shall lap over the back half of the tabernacle. The cubit on one side and the cubit on the other of what was left on the length of the curtain of the tent shall lap over the sides of the tabernacle on both sides and it will cover it. Okay, so this will be the outer skin of... See, you have beauty on the inside and then you have functionality on the outside. Why? Well, what if it rains? It does rain in the desert. Not a lot, but it does rain. Cubit on one side and a cubit on the other side of which is left over on the length of the curtains shall lap over the sides of the tabernacle on one side and cover it. You shall make the covering of the tent of ram skin dyed red and a covering of porpoise. 
skins above it. Okay, so you'll have porpoise skins above the ram skins. Why? I'm thinking that porpoise skins are probably waterproof. What do you think? Hey, what do I know? I'm still trying to find where in the world do you get porpoise skins in the desert? But I'm sure that if God said, go get porpoise skins, he'll provide the porpoise skins. So you remember the time when he says, how do we pay our preaching tax? Peter says, how are we going to pay our preaching tax? You had to pay a tax to preach. He says, go down and get the fish and get the coin out of the fish's mouth. I'm thinking that if he can just go down and get a denarii out of the, the mouth of the fish, porpoise skins are really probably not that tough. Okay. I mean, you know, I've been fishing. I'd give anything to catch a fish. Okay. But to catch a fish with a coin in it, I'm in. Okay. It would make me fish more. It'd make me fish more if I could catch fish. Okay. So you have a double covering. And then in verses 15 through 29, you see this thing is portable. And it is carried throughout the wilderness. And this is amazing to me. Because listen to what he does. Beginning in verse 15. You shall make the boards of the tabernacle of acacia. I shared with you that that's cabinet wood. Okay. Uh, The uh, uh, bugs are not prone to acacia wood. This is their fine wood. If you were going to build cabinets, you would use acacia wood. Okay, and you'll have them standing upright. So now you've got these curtains, but inside you're going to have these upright paneling. Okay, I mean, that's the best way. Ten cubits shall be the length of each board. Okay, and half a cubit of the width of each board. And there shall be two tenons for each board fitted to one another. Thus you shall do for all the boards of the tabernacle. Okay, you shall make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side. You shall make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for its two tenons, and two sockets under another board for its two tenons. And for a second side of the tabernacle on the north side, there will be 20 boards. And there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, two sockets under another board. For the rear of the tabernacle to the west, you shall make six boards. And you shall make two boards to each corner of the tabernacle and to the rear. Okay, basically what you're going to end up with is there are going to be 100 sockets in the tabernacle. Okay, and they're going to be made of silver. Okay, and they will weigh... 100 talents. Okay. You shall make two boards in the corner of the tabernacle and each at the rear. And they shall be doubled beneath and together they shall be complete to its top to the first ring. Thus it shall be that both of them shall form the two corners. So they're going to come together and they're going to lap together with the tenon and the two and the silver will hold them together. There shall be eight boards with their sockets of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under one board, two sockets under another board. And you should, do you see the detail here? Okay, he is explaining exactly how the two tenons will come together with the boards. They will be silver inlaid. You will bring the two together. They will join together. And this is how many boards will be on the north side. This is how many boards will be on the south side. This is how many boards will be on the west side, which means how many will be on the east side. It will have to balance. Okay, he even shows you how the corners will come together. 
You shall make the bars of acacia wood, five of the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five boards on the other side of the tabernacle, five boards on the boards of the side of the tabernacle for the rear of the west. The middle bar in the center of the boards shall pass through from end to end. So, I mean, it's going to be the whole length of it. It's going to hold it all together. It'd be like the um, cross beams in the floor of your house. You shall overlay the boards with gold and you'll make their rings from gold as the holders for the bars and you shall overlay the bars with the gold. Now look what he says in verse 30. You shall erect the tabernacle according to its plan that you have been shown in the mountain. Okay, um, you can repeat that. That goes back, you see, chapter 25, verse 40. See that you make them after the pattern for them as you were shown in the mountain. And basically what he's trying to say is, I am warning you that there is no guesswork here. I am describing to you the detail that I need, and this is what you will have. In chapter 26, verses 31 through 34, you start seeing what is called the veils. These are not the curtains. The veils separate the holy place from the holy of holies. This is what he says. You make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material, fine twisted linen. It shall be made with the cherub. Cherubim. And the work will be of a skillful workman. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold. So the four pillars will have this gold that has been beat out like um, aluminum foil. It takes gold, beats it out thin with a hammer, a a soft-faced hammer. And then you wrap the four pillars of acacia in gold. Overlaid with gold and their hooks also being of gold on the four sockets of silver. And you'll hang up the veil under the clasp, and you shall bring in the Ark of the Testimony there within the veil, and the veil shall serve for you as a partition between the holy place. Okay, the holy place is where you would have the bread, okay, and the lamp that looked like an almond tree. That's the holy place. You would have a veil in separating it, and that inside of that veil is where the Ark of the Covenant would be. So you would have the holy place, but then you would have the holy of holy place. You shall put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony in the holy of holies. So that's the inner area. You shall set the table outside of the veil and the lamp sand opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south and you shall put the table on the north side you shall make a screen for a doorway of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet material fine twisted linen the work of a weaver and you shall make five pillars of acacia for the screen and for lay, overlay them with gold and their hooks shall also be gold and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. Okay, what you're seeing here is great detail and yet it's still going to be portable. They're going to spend 40 years camping with this thing and anytime they get up and move, they have to tear it down 
And then any time they get ready to stop, they have to set it up. Okay, chapter 27 says, verse 1, And you will make the altar of acacia wood. Now you're going to start dealing with the largest single um, object that exists in this place. All right, so you, you see the detail is there. Now he's going to start with the altar. The altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and the altar will be square and its height will be three cubits. Shall make its horns, okay, basically arches, two arches that goes out, or four arches that goes out. And on the four corners, its horns shall be one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make its pails for removing its ashes and its shovel and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all these utensils of bronze. You shall make for it a grating of network of bronze. And on the net, you shall make four bronze rings on its four corners. And you, and you shall put it beneath and underneath the ledge of the altar And they may reach halfway up the altar. You will make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. Its poles shall have inserted into the rings, and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. And you shall make it hollow with planks as shown with you in the mountain. So you shall make it. There he goes again. He repeats it in verse 8. I need you to understand. I need it built this way. It's going to be this way. Okay? His altar will set in the courtyard of the tabernacle. The courtyard of the tabernacle, you're looking at 150 feet by 75 feet. And then outer hangings that will surround it so that people will have privacy in their worship of the altar. It'll be 7 foot 6 feet. So the view into the courtyard is blocked. Verse 9. You shall make the court of the tabernacle on the south. You shall have hangings of the court of fine twisted linen on 100 cubic feet on one side. And its pillars shall be 20. And there are 20 sockets of bronze and hooks in the pillars. uh, And their bands will be that of silver. Likewise, on the north side there shall be Hangings, 100 cubits long, and it shall be 20 pillars with their 20 sockets of bronze and hooks and pillars, and their hands shall be of silver. Their bands shall be of silver. For the width of the court on the west side and the hanging will 50 cubits, and there are 10 pillars on each of their sockets. So he is giving detail on exactly how this thing will go, exactly what it be, and how it will stand, and how it will hold up the, the, the veils. The width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. The hangings on one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits, and there will be three pillars and their three sockets. On the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits, and their three pillars and their three sockets. For the gate of the court shall be a screen of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and twisted linen. So basically you're looking at a pretty good size area. Work at a weaver, four pillars and four sockets. All the pillars around the court shall be furnished with silver bands and their hooks of silver and their sockets of bronze. 
The length of the court shall be 100 cubits and width of 50 throughout and the height of 5 cubits of fine twisted linen and their sockets of bronze and all the utensils of the tabernacle uh, used in all of its service and all of its pegs and the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. Detail, a detail, a detail. Okay, now listen, I want you to understand something here. He is only at this point in time giving us the description of the tabernacle. Okay? It will not be until chapter 32 that you will see what is the worship of God, how to worship Him in this place. And yet, you don't see until chapter 35 through the end of the book that the tabernacle is built. See, when you think of the Exodus, you immediately think of the parting of the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea. But have you ever really thought about it? Chapter 25 through the end of the book is what? I have 15 chapters dealing with what? Worship. And now listen, he sets it up. Don't I don't want to downplay it. He sets it up by, here, watch, I'll remove you. All right? Listen, when you think of the word worship... All right, I want you to think about this word. Anytime you hear worship now, okay, in it is something of worth. Okay, when you look at idolatry, okay, and I'm not talking about, let's go cut a tree down and half of it we'll make a totem pole out of and the other half we'll cook dinner with. I'm talking about the things that we idolize. We put worth on it. This is of value to me. And therefore, I worship it. God's already done that in Exodus. I have removed you from Egypt. I have taken you out of captivity. I have done the miraculous in your life. Now, you think about that for a second. Those of us who are saved this night have been taken out of Captivity. All right? We've been removed from it. You know what's really amazing about our captivity? We had no ability to free ourselves from it. None. So, how arrogant is humanity when he decides that he will worship his way? Verse 20, you shall charge the sons of Israel. Okay, that's a command. Sons of Israel, you will bring to you clear oil of beaten olives for the light to make the lamp burn continually. All right, now that's amazing because um, what they mean by the clear oil of beaten olives means that it is uh, um, unripened olives and you squash them. All right, you crush them, and that oil burns smoke-free. Okay? In the tent of the meeting outside of the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall keep it in order from the evening to the morning before Yahweh. It shall be perpetual statute throughout their generations for the sons of of Israel. The people of Israel have been charged with bringing clear oil, fine oil. Why? 
So it will burn all night long perpetually. For who? For the priest. All right. Verse 16, he's shown you that there will be an entrance way, an entrance panel. You shall see this entrance panel. And this will take you into the holy place. Okay, not the holy of holies. And he'll lay that out for him. But I share this with you because when I read this and it says that there's supposed to be silver bands and then the bronze pegs will set into the silver sockets will hold the tenons together and the curtains shall be made of this and they will be woven this way. They'll have 50 loops on them. Half the loops will face one way. Half the loops will face the other way. And those hooks on the inside of the tent will be gold and those clasps that were used on the outside of the tent will be bronze and the the tenons of the floor of the paneling will be lapped together and then they'll be silver that holds them into into place and they will be in such a way that they will line the walls all the way around there'll be this many on one side this many on the other side and they will overlap in the four corners so that they're they had structural integrity to the uh this this place but you will also on the outside of this place have ram skin and you'll have porpoise skins therefore the weather will stay out of it and i read all of this and i read about the altar and the bronze altar and what it will look like and i read about what the lamp will look like and its lights will look like and all that is involved in this and when i go through all of this i just sit there and i say god is a god of detail And the focus here is where do you come to worship? And if he is this interested in the detail of something that is temporary. I mean, let's be realistic. What we're looking at right now, not only is it temporary, it's portable. (laughs) I mean, we can just get a bunch of guys and tear it apart and move on down the road. And yet his detail is there. God is a God of detail. But I remember what I started with the text this morning, that before we started. Hebrews 8, 5. This is but an image of the heavenlies. This is temporary. Look with longing to the eternals of the heavenlies. When you think now, about your worship, what do you focus on? Are you focused on the details or are you focused on the mundane? The mundane. It'll change you. It will flat out change you. I mean, you know, I watch people who will sit and try to take this text and say, well, what does this structure look like? And what does the boards look like? And how do they put them together? And then all the rest of it. You know what? I I tried that. Um, It's kind of silly because there's a whole bunch of books. Uh, Edersheim has written a whole bunch of books on what this thing looks like. And it's got pictures and graphics and all the rest of it. Uh, I actually seen a couple of pictures of it when I was in Israel. uh, Mock places that it was put together. Uh, they've got a huge model of Jerusalem at the time of Christ in the temple uh, that you can go. It's outside of a hotel, King David. I think it's King David Hotel um, that you can go see all of Jerusalem in the temple and the internet and all the rest of it. And I, I just sit there and go, well, whatever. That ain't the issue. The issue isn't what does it look like. The issue, you know, I can look at it. It's got silver and bronze. It's got gold and clasps and this wonderful uh, cabinet work and these curtains and with the cherubim engraved into them. 
woven into the material and uh, uh, 10 curtains and 11 curtains and the goat skin dyed red and the porpoise skins and, and all that. It, it's definitely beautiful. But the key is the presence of God and worship of God. And that's what we need to be paying attention to. The presence of God, the worship of God. We are no different than Israel. We have been bought from our old masters. And we've been removed from his place. Now let us worship. Father, we come before your throne to hear your words. Father, to worship in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hear you. Help us, Lord, to rest on you. Help us, Lord, to draw unto you. Father, the detail of your tabernacle. It's beauty. The precision that you uh, would have it made. Father, may that be us as we come to worship. As we present lives of living sacrifices to worship. Father, may you grow in the hearts of your people to be that of worthiness. Father, may you be of such a great worth to each of your people. And Father, all people know who it is we serve, who it is we cherish, who it is we long for. In Christ's name.